you're listening to Buttercuts. It's Tuesday, April 27th, 2021. On today's episode, we talk LPGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, Golf in Spain, well, European Tour, and the team event that is the Zurich Classic, and a whole bunch more. Enjoy. Welcome to this episode of the Buttercuts. Weston, how are you this evening? Oh, I am sore. You're Very sore. sore. Yeah. Did you play um, more golf? Did you lift weights? Backstory. No, no. <laughs> oh, golf. I mean, I did play some digital golf, but um, no, I, I've been planting trees in my yard. So digging large holes, you know, intense manual labor is no good for the lumbar. So, yep, it is. It's real around here, getting everything ready for the yard for spring. Yeah, that'll that'll for sure happen. So, well, that sounds like not very much fun. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it, it uh, but other than that, yeah, I got out to play golf this, this weekend, and the yeah. driver is continuing to be my nemesis right now. Which, what happened? Which is hard to, it's just, I don't know. It's just not there. It's just uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just really not good. Um, but the wedges, I put uh, put the new TaylorMade high toe 54. And as, yeah. as my buddy Brandon Key likes to call it, the big toe, the big foot high toe, yeah. the big toe, 58 degree into play and they have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, played Ogden Country Club and I was reminded it's a very old school, smaller greens, a lot of back to front. Um, <laughs> don't be above those holes right now. <laughs> no. There's some tough spots and I left me in a few of them. Um, but overall, like I said, didn't hit the driver great, which cost me a lot. Rolled the yeah. putter fairly well, um, besides a few um, spots. Um, hit irons okay, but still getting back into the swing of things. Mm. Um, so I'll have to work on that a little bit. Hits um, did actually on Friday, I had a pretty good gapping session with the irons, and then, like I said, had mm. then hit some. Okay, drivers, still not exactly where I want it to be, but just I've got a week to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> play, play yeah, to pra- play to, yeah, playing a practice round next Sunday. Nice down at Alpine. So uh, let the tournament season begin. It is my intention to play more tournament golf, more competitive golf this year. So. That should be fun. For sure. So was the Ogden thing a, uh, a tournament or is it? No, no, just a fun with the, a buddy of mine and a couple of, uh, of his friends that are members up there. Right. Um, but yeah, 58, like I said, they're really heavy in their swing weight. The, my 54 and 58, which was unintentional. I just kind of like said to put them together and didn't expect them to come out as heavy as they were, but 
it's hasn't affected the way they played. I actually get a really good contact out of them. Um, what so I think is I'm it just over overall heavy, or are we talking swing weight? Swing weight, swing weight's pretty heavy, so you can feel the head a little bit, which I don't actually think I mind when I was messing around with it a little, messing around, messing around with them a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I hit some really good shots. I don't know if you played Ogden Country Club. Uh -huh. There's one on hole number seven, par three, downhill. Got the bunker in front. Pin was tucked behind. It's got a bunker in the front that kind of runs up, and then it runs, kind of runs. It's one of the only – well, I guess it, it doesn't run front to back, but right there off of that, it runs kind of back a little bit front to – in off of that. So I had about mm -hmm. eight feet to work with and it sat about an inch behind the going in the bunker. <laughs> uh, nice. So a little dicey line, hit a nice little, little flopper shot to about two feet um, on firm greens, which was, which was nice. They had a couple of those yeah. that day, but um, yeah, it wasn't bad. Good to get out and play. Um, learned a, a few things about where my game's at, a few more things, which is always nice. Sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Learned I need to make more birdies. One during the round doesn't cut it. Nope. It's not like I made a ton of bogeys, but need to make more birdies well less bogeys too but more more birdies <laughs> more than one um speaking of making birdies um the lpga tour brooke henderson was really the only person well i guess hannah green shot 66 um but she was able to make some birdies and catch jessica corda which I kind of found interesting. I watched a little bit of it because uh, it was another tournament that ended on Saturday, mm -hmm. um, which I wonder if they're going to do that again. They're in Singapore this week, so makes sense. It'll end Saturday night, Sunday morning, mm -hmm. um, over in Singapore. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of interesting to see that Jessica Corda, you know, shoots. I think she shot one over. Yeah, in her final round, um, after playing as good as she did in the first, you know, couple of rounds, just kind of yeah. let it get away from her a little bit. Um, but yeah, Brooke Anderson gets her tenth win, which is, which she already had the most wins by any Canadian-born player. Oh. Uh, on the LPGA. On any major professional tour. I think really? Mike, Weir, More than Mike, Mike, Weir? Mike Weir has eight. He has eight? He has eight. Yeah, and she has 10 now. Which, I mean, she played in her first, I think, first LPGA tournament at 14. Um, I don't know when she got her first win, but yeah, she's just, she's still young. So <laughs> she's she's got a few more to, to sock away. I'm sure. Um, but you mentioned something about her swing being amazing. Oh, just it, 
It's long. Gets, <laughs> it's long, but she gets so much lag. Um, and I just think either you're born with the ability to lag wrists or you aren't. And she yeah, is. She and is. It's, it's impressive because she's leveraging everything she can out of her swing and getting just full efficiency. So, yeah. Well, yeah. There, it's, it's funny because you, you mentioned her, her wrists, but <laughs> they're actually yeah. talking about the way her wrists are just the, the flexibility of her wrists, right? To be able to mm -hmm. do that and then still kind of maintain the control, right? Because most of the time people to get to that, that wrist angle that she gets to at the top of the backswing, you you're forcing it and then you're right. And then you're just all out of sorts where it's just kind of where she gets naturally a little yeah. uh, John Daly esque, I guess. Is yeah. Similar to it where they get there, but they're comfortable getting to that position. Mm -hmm. um, and another kind of interesting thing about her, she builds all of her clubs two inches long because huh. she jokes down. If you ever watched her play, She's, I mean, two inches of that, that yeah. butt end. Um, well, it, it's interesting because if you're going to choke up on it, you're essentially just, you're playing a longer club that you're counterbalancing. You're just putting weight on the end of the grip that would be there um, had you just played it the right way or right length maybe and, and just counterbalanced it. So maybe right. she likes to have a little bit lighter feeling head even though the club may spec out at D2, you choke up on it, you're going to feel yeah, like it probably like C8, a C9. C9. <laughs> yeah, yeah, C8, C9 for sure. And I, like I said, she's, and I, I remember they did like an interview with her about it sometime. And I think she just said that she's just always has felt comfortable mm -hmm. choking up. So she just builds them long. So it's just a natural thing for her. And it works. Uh, cool. I mean, she throws, you know, nice little six birdies out there, a couple of bogeys, you know, make she bogey 17, um, quarter birdies 18. Um, I didn't get to watch the, the final hole. I watched a little bit of the final round until I think I watched to 14 and then had to go do some other things um, that I was doing. Um, but the one that was really surprising was – I left right at 14 and quarter was in, she wasn't in a bad spot on 14, a drivable par four, but for her to make mm -hmm. bogey on that one um, was kind of interesting to come and see. Oh yeah. She ended at 15, which is exactly where she left, but right. With her birdie in 18, um, yeah. but, but bogey in 14. So, well, and, like, not, and not well, parring a par par five right after it, but they both, yeah both part that par five well how anticlimactic to have a par three being your final hole um <laughs> it, it depends so last week european tour yeah. ended on it right and then they played it five more times in the playoff until some until maximilian makes an eight hitting it in the water twice and um, there's sure. a couple of them because doesn't um no, oh, the tour championship ends, but there's another tournament that's like the one of the playoffs, the FedEx Cup playoffs that ends on a yeah. par three. I think the only time it, I don't think any course designer ever plans to end the course on a par three. What happens is 
through playing the course, they find out that it's just more efficient to swap the nines. Yeah. Because pace of play. And then they're like, oh, okay, we'll just do it. I guess we'll just end on a par three. Yeah, but well, um, Ogden yeah. Country Club ends on a par three. <laughs> and, but it's, uh, I mean, it's at Ogden, small green, maybe slightly uphill, you know. Mm -hmm. You got bunker surrounding where it falls off in a little bit in the front, bunker behind it. I mean, so it's not a terrible par three, but but you're right. It's hard to end that on a par three. But yeah, then I say I mean if you're gonna do it, either have like a hundred and twenty-five yard par three, so you can knock it close and, and get some birdies and make it interesting. Or just flat out make it pure evil so that it's so hard that you get a par and it's like winning a tournament and yeah you make it like a 225 or 250 par three. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah that would be that would be nasty but yeah i'm just trying to think back of, of the courses that, that i played right obviously i played one on 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 sunday that ends in a par three now but i think they have flipped yeah the the nines there um i'm trying to think if there's another one that i can recall that ends on a par three i i recall like probably two decades ago there was a pga tournament that ended on a par three and it was kind of like oh this is different and then i don't think they ever did it again yeah well there like i said there still is one it's and i can't remember what but I mean, of the courses you've played, is there, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of ones just here in Utah that have, like, say, besides what I played, Ogden. Um, I can't think of anything. I'm drawing a blank. No, I don't. Don't know. No, but yes, they've actually had a couple of them. If you think, if you think about it, because I think the one that, uh, Jessica Corda won and beat Daniel King where she ran in that putt. It ended on a par three. I think I think they did something at Willow Creek during the Utah Open where they flopped the nines and then ended on a par three. At 18, they moved it up. Yeah. And it was a par three. A part. Yeah, they made it yeah. a par three. Um, so. so it's not an actual par three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for but it was that one's a little bit more nasty like yeah. when you push it back and had it where it was because of, of the green and with the water in front but like i said i think the lpga tour within this year has had two now <laughs> end on part tournaments that end on par threes um mm -hmm. yeah can you imagine like augusta ending on 16 <laughs> oh my god well, and statistically, par threes are the hardest holes on the course. Like the like at the end of the year, you look at like a player's take the best player, whether it's you know Woods in his prime or even like Rory when he was winning everything. It's like what was their power five scoring average? Oh, he was like four point. He was one hundred and fifty under par. What about par fours? Oh, he was like sixty under par. What about par threes? Oh, he's three over. Yeah. It's like par threes are dude. par threes are hard, and it's. Right, you they never get their rating 
No. Right? Their whole handicap is never. No. Never. Good. Like to me, every par three is harder than a par four for me. But I, you know, I'm, I'm long. So you, you give me a 450 par four, I'm going to smoke a drive and have a pitching wedge in. But then you put me on a 190 yard par three, that's going to be the longest iron I have into a green all day. Uh, with yeah. the exception of a par five I'm going for in two. And so, yes, like statistically for me, par threes are the most difficult holes because I'm hitting mid irons in and on par fours, I'm hitting wedges. So yeah. it's, it's kind of a, a, a catch, kind of a catch 22, right? Because yeah. from the handicap system, if you're giving strokes, par threes are probably the worst to give strokes on. Because, right, if you like that person who you're giving the shot to hits the green, they're basically lying there zero. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, it, it doesn't work for the handicap system, but in real reality, they're the most difficult holes period. Yeah. If you, any by scoring average almost every week, they're, they're the most, most difficult holes. You just don't have any hole, any shots to make up, right? You can't yeah. hit one get get loose and then you know hit a hit a great shot and 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 come back so yeah i don't know it's still interesting to see it end on a par three but <laughs> i was actually talking about it within the the zurich it would have been fun to have uh that tournament with the playoff have it be on a par three <laughs> like mm-hmm. a tougher par three but i don't know if there was there was actually there was a couple that were pretty beastly par threes at that course actually well i i like the par three playoff scenario especially at the the, the players i mean yeah that year when ricky won it and they had to go through 17 like three times and he birdied it like three out of four that was insane yeah um and that's such a cool hole to see that happen on so uh, you know i'm a fan during the playoffs yeah i remember one year, um, one of my friends was playing in a USAM qualifier, and there was like six people on a playoff and for one spot, and one guy out of the six made a hole in one. So <laughs> it's crazy. It is nuts. Um, yeah, they actually for the Corn Ferry Tour event here, they actually hit Glen Eagle. They put it on hole number seven. They started the playoff on hole number seven, the one year that my buddy got through, which is a wow. like a it's a one ninety two, yeah, probably a two bills, par three, so putting some stress on them right away, for sure. Oh, but next up, Corn Ferry, the Veritex Championship at Rangers Golf Club in Texas. Yeah. Uh, so Tyson Alexander. Uh, was it his first win? I I don't know, but whatever, whatever it is, he went low. <laughs> nice little, some little sixty four to close out. Um, to beat Theo Humphrey, who he beat by six shots, so he made up at least five shots to to come from behind. Like yeah. I said, yeah, Theo Humphrey was was leading this this just shows you like how good this 
B tour is, you know, the A tour, PGA tour, the B tour, Corn Ferry, like, and these guys are shooting 23 under, and this is a course that anybody can go out and play. And I'll tell you what, right now, there's no, there's no member at that club or, or local that consistently goes there that's shooting those kinds of scores. Like, it's just, it's otherworldly. Yeah. Just, it's nuts. So he was long overdue. Well, I guess maybe not because the, he's got a T2 and a ninth place finisher, best finishes. And yes, he only has one career victory, which was this. He's been on tour for, or he turned pro. I don't necessarily mean he's been on tour, but yeah. for that, that long, but he's been turned pro in 2010. So went to University of Florida. So it's been around for, for a while. I mean, age 32, gets his first win. So probably probably have a place on tour next year. See how he does. Yeah, the remainder of the year, getting a win early always helps. Mm-hmm. So like I say. But we had a, a building a local play and make the cut, which was pretty nice. Yeah. We had uh, Patrick Fishburn got a tied for 62 at seven under, which seems bad, but I mean, you still got to golf your ball. So, yeah, he's got to get because he was he was close to the lead last week in in Vegas and kind of stumbled in the final round. And like I said, with the scores that were being shot and him shooting a 71 on the final day, the final two days actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he does moving forward. Right, guy yeah, hits it, it hits it a ton. Yeah, um, should have the game to to compete out there, but it's just well, really kind of it's tough struggling to make it, and it's tough. It is, and I mean, think about that: a bad day on the golf course on a PGA Tour, you know, event, and he shoots seventy-one. So that's some pretty awesome golf. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether him or, you know, and a guy like Peter Quest, who I've heard has probably more like raw talent than, than Fishburne has coming out of, yeah. out of BYU. No, they, there's some, some great golfers. And I think a good contrast of like how good are these guys Tony Romo was actually in the Corn Ferry event and he's done this a couple of times, but I'd like to get your thoughts on, you know, getting these scratch stars because Corn Ferry's kind of been doing this a little bit. I'm, I'm fine with it. It's a sponsor's exemption. People say, well, it takes a spot away from like, it doesn't take a spot away. (laughs) It really doesn't. They get the sponsor gets, I think two just random picks. I think, Yep. Um, with their criteria, right? They get kind of two wild cards and then they two that are based on some kind of criteria, I believe. I could be yeah. wrong. But it's these tours, they've got to generate some kind of buzz. If that gets a few more people to tune in, it gets if it gets a few more sponsors, 
you know, to get on there because they know they're going to get a little bit more viewership. I, like I said, I didn't know Tony Romo was playing until <laughs> until I saw his his name on the on the the board. So, yeah, I I love it. I think it's great for the game, but it's also like a it's a litmus test. Here we have Romo. He's he has nothing to do but play golf. And he's a scratch golfer. He might even be a plus handicap. Might be like a plus one. But uh, he went out and he shot 77-76 to miss the cut at 11 over par. And the cut was minus six. So that's a 15, what is that, 17 stroke? That's 17 stroke out there. Yeah. So think about that. (laughs) I was like, I was like, did he end up? Yeah, he ended up in. Like, but he was like six shots <laughs> behind the next closest guy, right? He was the, the last player on the board, six shots yep. behind the next highest, highest score. So well, it is a limits test, but it's like, like you said, we could just do unnamed, right? We talked about this before doing unnamed scratch player, <laughs> unnamed. Yeah. Six handicap, <laughs> right? Yeah. And just put them and see what they shoot in those conditions, just right. to give you, to give everybody a perspective of mm-hmm. what that is. So, yeah, I love it. It's, like I said, I don't mind it at all. People, like I said, the biggest gripe that I think people have is that it takes a, a spot away from somebody. But it's like, at that point, if you weren't in the tournament already then you know go pound sand because you're not there you're part of the deal like yeah the the company drops x million dollars into this tournament and they get two people that they can invite if they want to put the ceo in they can do that yep it's they paid for it they they basically bought two spots yeah that that really don't take away a spot from a player in my opinion so like i said i think i think there's been in in our local corn ferry tour i think there's been some sponsors exemptions that are questionable sponsors exemptions at best (laughs) (laughs) but it's their it's their right and to do to do it so whatever People have yep. differing opinions, and like I said, it's it's fun. Tony Romo's a, a good golfer, but and then goes and shoots, you know, eight, 11 over. So, <clears throat> is what it is. Good for Tony. He gets to play in a couple of Corn Ferry Tour events, which I have not had the the pleasure of doing yet. No, so. no. I was pretty close to one one year, but did not finish the last two holes very well on the qualifier. <laughs> I've been the one here. I didn't, and I was close up at the, the Boise one, one year, like I said, didn't, didn't quite finish it off and same kind of thing, but either here nor there, there's still time. I'm young mm-hmm. considering, you know, sink 47 year old win wins the tournament last year. I've got, I've still got, a few more years of, of oh, yeah. time left. But you know, speaking of 
mini prime time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the European tour. Um, Garrett Kego. Minus 25, 65, 64, 63, 63 to win. On the par 70 golf course in Spain. Um, is it the, at the Melanaris Golf in Spain. Pretty pretty spot right on the, the coast. Yeah. Uh, but these guys were, <clears throat> like I said, you see it by his scores. It's a par 70, but... We looked it up. 6,800 yards, 6,800 yards, I think you said. 6,715 yards. <laughs> <laughs> so right for the, the taking, um, just looking at their the hole by hole, I just you can pull it up on the PGA or the European Tour website, which, again, PGA Tour, take note, much easier. Just okay. hole by hole, you can see everybody's breakdown of their round. Um, and you can click to whatever round you want, but – Garrett Kigo, uh, left-hander from South Africa. Mm. It's the win. Uh, Bogey-free 63 on the final day. And I did watch a little bit of this the last two days. And it just not a lot of bogeys to get out there, really. Um, if you didn't shoot basically 66, you were losing, <laughs> losing shots to the field. Oh, yeah. So... It was it was fun to watch. Is telling you earlier, uh, the par five eighteenth. It was five hundred and seven yards, um, yeah. five hundred seven yards, five hundred nine yards, and and he go had one hundred and eight yards <laughs> in for his second shot. And I had yeah. to take a double take when I was watching uh, one of the a guy in the group before hit. I was like, wait, he just hit it like a he just had a hundred and 30 or 40 yards in and he, he had 140 <laughs> yards in, and I'm like wait a second he and just hit a wedge in and then you've got Higo who's ahead of him by 40 yards which makes it even more sad for my my man like I said Maximilian I'm still rooting for this guy to win his first turn but Maximilian Kiefer who was second place last week Comes in second place this week with a fires a 62, but goes par par in his last two holes. And knowing what we know of the the par 518th, it was um, so in the top 10. Uh, there's you you have birdie, par by Kiefer, which is huge, and then eagle birdie 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 eagle birdie birdie eagle. So you have to go like 10 more guys down before there's another yeah, another par on that hole. <laughs> so a little bit of losing shots. He did lose by th three shots. So even an eagle, I guess, maybe puts a little bit more pressure on, on Higo going into that. But you just can't mm -hmm. make par when you're, when you're trying to chase him down. Nope. So it was pretty. And with the scores they're shooting, I want to go play there. It just feels like I could make birdies. <laughs> <laughs> like I could sure. make birdies there. Uh, at least they gave that impression anyway. So congrats to, to Ego. Lefty, good swing. Obviously can hit the ball a little bit. 
Right, let's move on to the big tour, which was a team event this this time around. And I think this team event gives Cameron Smith his first PGA Tour victory. If I'm no, no, it's his third. Is this his third win? PGA Tour? Yeah. Are you sure? Why did I think he only has one? Leishman got his sixth. Pull up. It won't let me pull up. Oh, come on. PJ Tour. There's another. Pull up a team format. You can't even pull up their bio from the, <laughs> the leaderboard. <laughs> come on. And like I said, more things that the, the European Tour besides yeah. the, um, the quality of player. <laughs> the, U, the UI on the PJ Tour website is just garbage. Like, it's hard to navigate. Oh, yeah. I mean, granted, where you navigate to doesn't even work that great, but just doing the navigation part, like, ugh. Yeah, it's pretty. Is he not? All right, where's Cam Smith? Let's see this. Oh, yeah, PGA Tour Victories 3. Why did I not think he had any? I don't know, maybe because he's changed his persona and now he's a, a huge mullet. <laughs> he's got a, a mullet, huge mullet. He's, he's incognito. Um, yeah, what, sure. are, what are his three wins? Man, way off base on that. Sorry, Cam Smith. Like slighted you and your, your mullet, for sure. <laughs> um, oh, um, one of them is the Zurich Classic. Another. So he's got and then two the Sony Zurich Open. Classic. Yeah, two, and he's, Sony. The, he's the Sony and two-time Zurich. Um, was it a team event then? So really, he only has one? <laughs> one, mm, one, event. one solo victory, as we'll call it. Yeah, one solo victory. He was with Jonas Blix in 2017. Yeah. Um, but hey, you still got to golf your ball and win, and that's what they did, so... They did um, in a playoff with Oosthuizen and and Schwartzel, which would have given yeah. those guys some life. Right? It seems to give this tournament seems to give guys that little bit of of life that they wouldn't have had before. Um, Oosthuizen hits the ball great. Putting is is still a struggle for him, and. Yeah does the unthinkable and the un uh, not unforgivable i wouldn't say that but hits it in the water off the tee in the playoff mm. so all least yeah. smith had to do was make par which they did to win and i was looking at it and i i need to go back and watch it again because i was, I was watching it as on the golf course so i was watching it a little bit but i missed um, I was walking off of the cart when Ustazen hit it in the water, but then I watched the play-by-play, -play and it has the play it has the shot-by-shot, -shot, the shot link for eighteen in the playoff hole. It like shows him hitting it like ten yards. After the drop, so I don't I don't know where they ended up dropping it, but it obviously wasn't in a great great spot. 
but yeah, congrats to the, the Aussie pairing getting their win. Um, yeah. And you've got in here champ and female. I'm, I don't know. I'm over that. <laughs> it was a bad day. Plus four yeah. in the final yeah. round. And I didn't get this. I don't think I saw more than like a couple of their putts on Sunday, but I do know that um, in round three in the best ball champ let left female holding the bag on more than one occasion where he was just basically, I mean, one of them, he chips in for par that, okay, give him that, but the whole like right before that or two holes before that, he just ball in pocket and like, yeah. here you go. <laughs> Have fun with that. Do it. Yeah. That's, that's tough. I mean, they really played well the first couple of days and, and yeah, just Sunday. And even the, even the third day they, they played okay, giving away of shots, but we were talking a little bit about it on Sunday and Tony needs to find that partner that can just, especially since it is an alternate shot format. Yeah. It just is a laser. Right. Oh yeah. Just hits it in the middle every time. Well, and right. that, it's hard for two guys that bomb it because typically your game is take advantage of a hole because you hit a good one. Maybe you didn't hit a good drive and then you got to get yourself out of trouble and you just got to hope that you hit more good drives than bad so you can take advantage of the course. But, you know, think about Oosthuizen. Here's a guy that probably doesn't miss a fairway for a few weeks <laughs> and always in position. So that's that's really a good recipe. It is. We were talking and, and we all agreed that we just kind of despise this guy, but uh, Patrick Reed. Patrick <laughs> Reed would be a great partner for, oh my for Tony in that, that oh. format. Because... <laughs> He's not short. He hit the ball plenty far. Um, he does. He doesn't been, miss it a lot. In the one eighties. Yeah, he doesn't um, miss it a lot, and his no. game around the greens is amazing. World class. Yes. World class. So, no, that's that's very true. And and just watching, you know, Leishman and Cameron come down the stretch. Um, Cameron Smith, his ball striking was on. He was just flagging them. Um, and then he was rolling them. So he was just doing all of it. And um, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was it, it was fun to watch. Um, but I'll let you take over the, the equipment spotlight. We've got two equipment spotlights. Yeah, um, I've got to focus on two bags here. <laughs> two bags here. So you get, you get a two-bagger today. Um, so take it's it over good. with anything that you're – I'm just kind of looking, doing a brief look through again and see if anything stands out to me, but you're the equipment yeah. junkie guru, so. Well, I mean, if, we'll go through Mark Leishman. He's a Callaway guy. He's, he's got putter through driver in Callaway. But uh, first thing that pops out is um, pretty hard to get, I think only through custom fitters like yourself, the Callaway Epic Speed Triple Diamond. DS. Even that, so, those are harder to get. We can, we, I guess if we asked them, we could get them because we do have access to that. Yeah. That department. So we can mm -hmm. get them. They're just not something that still is 
readily available. Um, yeah. And the, the triple diamonds are cool because they're, they're really an opportunity for a tour player to get a club that looks the way they want and spins the way they want. Um, pretty much on a retail version, you're getting an offering that here's your low spin option. Here's your more forgiving option, as they call it. They don't call it high spin. Right. Um, but there's very few tour players that actually will play a very low spinning driver. Maybe there's like Bryson or something, right? But um, most of these guys need a little bit more spin. And um, typically they're playing shafts that do knock spin off. I mean, Leishman's playing the Ventus Black and, yeah. and that's a 7X. Makes that's a that's a beefy shaft. And um, you're gonna take spin off and so you need to add a little bit back. And so you get a, a head, like the triple diamond heads that, that yeah. spin just you know, a couple Spins hundred RPM more. And you've seen a lot more guys in since we've been doing this. A lot of guys are going to that ten and a half degree, yeah. right? Because they want to just get that launch, and then they're using the shaft to kind of knock down the spin, so they're getting kind of mm -hmm. that that optimized um, combination. Yeah, so that that's a cool thing to take note of. Um, really, just to call out guys, you got to go get fit. Um, drivers do so many different things now. I would say they're like fingerprints and you just got to find the right one that unlocks the safe. Um, yes. And that's the combo of the shaft and the driver head. So uh, that was a cool thing out of his. The second cool thing is his irons. They are, were just a tour issue only, but now they are available through custom fitters. So they're the Callaway Apex TCB or tour cavity back. Um, these are the same ones that John Rahm is playing. They're actually getting a lot of play on tour right now smaller head but a cavity so you get that forgiveness and uh tour players love them yeah it's like i said it's kind of the similar to i mean <clears throat> the irons that uh <clears throat> cam smith is playing in the titleist version the t100 very yeah, similar smaller head cavity back a little bit more forgiveness not yeah. like say it's still not a ton because it is a smaller head but a little bit more forgiveness on that <clears throat> yeah yeah, it's very much like a T100. Um, and the last thing to highlight, he, he did put one of the newer putters um, available this year, which is the Odyssey White Hot OG. And they have the original White Hot insert, and he's got the model number one wide in there with the uh, stability shaft or the, the stroke lab shaft. So that's pretty cool. Um, you know, putters can typically be something that people don't change very often. And he's got a new putter in the bag this year, and it definitely worked this tournament. And Cam Smith, Cam Smith's got a another higher degree driver in the bag, so yeah, there's yeah, the, there and seems the, to be a trend a little bit. It, well, the the first trend, Titleist won another tournament, <laughs> which <laughs> is pretty crazy. Um, I. I would venture to say they probably won the most tournaments on tour this year. Um, but uh, yeah, playing a TSI three driver and um, they, they're doing it. But yeah, he's got a higher lofted uh, semi low spin shaft. Um, but uh, I think the highlight for Cam is a seven wood and uh, it's becoming a real thing here. Um, it's just such a great club to have in the bag. I know DJ's played a seven wood um, and it's a 21 degree fairway wood 
that uh, just launches it in the air and lands it soft and heck i think i need to do this <laughs> it's i i actually have thought about it um i did just which is the first time another change that i made to my bag was i actually put a foreign in the bag and it came up mm. actually big <laughs> a couple of times with a loose driver at ogden <laughs> hitting under some trees a, a few times but it it allowed me there so i put that back in the bag so i've changed up my my bag configuration a little bit moving into the u.s open qualifier after playing there at alpine a couple of weeks ago i'm like okay i need a foreigner in the bag mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of those par four or par threes that you can that can get a little longer on you and yeah so put that in there and then did a three hybrid instead of a four hybrid so i go driver five wood three hybrid yeah. four iron down now which is definitely a change for me but yeah seven wood is like i said there's definitely some options for that just because of the height that you get with oh yeah with where you're with the well, distance you're it, that. it's really interesting here now we're looking at you know these two bags uh, leishman plays a hybrid and that's probably going to act similar to a seven wood but probably doesn't get the height um but here we have two players that have the highest or sorry the strongest lofted iron in their bag is the four iron it's going to hover around 24 degrees um and most three irons are typically around yeah. 21 well, or maybe 20 that u500 oh. so his i don't know yeah so his is a 24 degree the u500 yep. four iron might be like might, 23 22 maybe maybe 22 uh, yeah but it is a it's a it's a utility iron as they're yeah. going to call them so it's not even like a, a traditional iron it's got a lot more forgiveness a lot more technology in there but it's it's just interesting to see these players not play, you know these these kind of stronger lofted regular irons that, you yeah. know most golfers be like oh I gotta have a three iron in the bag, it's part of the thing and so, um, here we have tour players kind of avoiding those because um, they're just they're just hard to hit. Yeah, well so. three irons definitely a thing of the past. <laughs> There's not a lot of them yeah. unless they're going to be well, a driving iron or a driving iron utility iron. There's actually companies that don't even make a three iron for their sets anymore. Yeah. Well, and, and part of that's part of the, the loft progressions of nowadays, you know, wh where you've got pitching wedges that, that start where nine irons used to, or where nine irons are now or whatever. Eight irons um, in, in some cases. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't get a chance to actually put a three on a club anymore just because you run out of loft. But, um, but yeah, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing. So if you still have a three iron in the bag, either you're a, you know, you're a plus two or, or you just need to upgrade to either a seven wood or a hybrid or something. Yeah. Get height any, any way you can. Yeah. So. Oh, but yeah. But so yeah. Besides his putter, his putter is pretty cool. I actually had a guy uh, tell yeah. me today that he's, if, that was his dream putter. If he could steal Cameron Smith's putter, the double nine with the like little taller flow neck. Yep. So no, that 
they're awesome putters i've been to the scotty cameron gallery and i've been able to putt with an 09 it is a beautiful looking putter i actually putted with the same model that spieth has and they're just awesome um you know a lot of people will will gawk at the price and they'll say well he's just a marketing genius but that's actually all that really matters is if you are a marketing <laughs> genius might, but they do feel good actually uh one one of uh guys that works for me he he actually has a double on nine um yeah so they've rolled it a few times and they feel really good i haven't been down to this, the cameron studio because then i would want to spend money and that's <laughs> probably no that's probably no good no. but i don't know most of his really cool putters are are the blades putters yeah um and I'm kind of a mallet guy. So yeah, my, my guess is he probably has a pretty cool uh, Golo 5 iteration out there that, uh, yeah. that, I would, that I would not mind. So, Well, I actually just posted uh, a picture of Patrick Cantlay's um, Scotty Cameron, which is just gorgeous. Um, so there he really does nail it on the blades and but at the same time his mallets are winning this year so his technology that he's pumping into those things it's legit it works and people are finding you know more more consistency and justin thomas has been playing uh model five for some time now so it's good stuff yeah so, kind of the one of the last we'll talk about the, the for me tour here in a little bit, which is mm-hmm. something that we <laughs> were looking at uh, the PGA tour website and, and kind of found uh, the for me tour, basically uh, a haven for McKenzie tour Canadian. I still call it the Canadian tour players uh, because the Canadian borders are closed. Yeah. Uh, so it gives those players a place to play they just came out with it. Um, I think the article was on April 22nd. So there's no tournaments officially scheduled. There's one last qualifier that's scheduled um, up in Washington, but it gives those guys a place to play until Canada decides that uh, we can play golf up there again. So, (laughs) Yeah. Well, enter the country again yeah enter the country for sure and then in some places play golf period yeah that that would be the uh the state of ontario so or is it the province the province province of of ontario you're you're gonna you're gonna gonna piss off some canadians uh yeah Uh, but the uh, the province Yeah, of Ontario. I, I can tell you the Canadians are not happy that they're in that province because mm. there is no golf. The reality sure. is, is that golf is legal in every other state, country, democratic republic in the world. Um, and yet in Ontario, <laughs> it is a risk. So um, that's that's unfortunate. I feel feel pretty bad, especially because one, like Canadians already have like a three month season to play golf because of the snow and the cold. So it's like you start to take away from that, and you you might have a revolution, my friend. Yeah. Oh, 
And lastly, uh, PGA Tour. And they've done some really good things, but their popularity bonus, they just $40 million into the pop popularity bonus. What did, what are they calling it? It's, I guess it's in response a little bit to the premier golf league, the, the proposed premier golf league. It's, it's known as the player impact program. Mm. They're basically dumping $40 million into, um, uh, a pool that will 10 beneficiaries and it's will be based on their impact score and it's yep. a number generated from six metrics one is their position on the season season ending fedex cup no so you gotta um, be a player but two this is where their popularity in google search <laughs> Three, okay. their, their Nielsen brand exposure rating. Yeah. Um, which it says, which places a value on, on, on the exposure of a player, on the exposure a player delivers to sponsors through them. It's probably supposed to, it says though, it's probably says through the minutes they are featured on, on broadcast, their Q rating, okay. which okay. measures their familiarity and their MVP index rating which calibrates the value of, of the engagement a player drives across social and digital channels. And okay. then their meltwater mentions or the frequency in which they, the player generates coverage across a range of media platforms. So well, Ricky has a chance to make some money. Uh, right. Basically. And then <laughs> Tiger doesn't even have to play golf. You know, uh, he can just, show up somewhere and then he'll make money because i mean obviously you have to have the fedex cup thing but you you can't be great at all of them you, you're gonna fail at one of them right and so and i forgot to read past there is an asterisk on the season ending fedex cup that says while fedex cup rank was included among the criteria and documented in the document players received the tour tells golf week that it is that it will not be used as a metric so basically <laughs> you don't even have to play good you just have to be popular Hey, yeah, it's okay. This this is the Ricky bonus pool. It's basically right? the Ricky bonus pool. Well, and like, like the, I mean, they're they're like, we feel here. we feel we feel really bad for Ricky not making any money right now. Oh wait, he's making <laughs> a ton of money. Well, here's the reality though. Like, you you're trying to grow the game, but. You know, pictures of Brooks Kepka in some really bad vacation attire, chilling with his wife. It's not really growing the game, but he's getting a lot of clicks and a lot of likes yes. and a lot of reposts. Um, but I mean, does Jack, does Jack get involved now? Because he's got so much following and, and he's, he's, you know, part of the PGA tour and all that. Like I don't, what's I don't, going on here? Yeah, do, they and have we know to, do they have to be a current member? I, yeah that's probably it's got to be my guess is it has they have to be have status on the yeah. PGA tour <laughs> well but technically because jack won over 20 tournaments he has a lifetime exemption on the pga tour so <laughs> he's a member he's a member but yeah. like you think about tiger and his car crash and that was all over the media for decades and here we yeah. have you know, is that really what's driving 
people to play golf. It's just newsworthy stuff. So I, yeah. the hardest thing in marketing is to actually find out what's happening and how to measure it. And um, it, we, we call it attribution. You know, did your marketing actually result into a conversion? And that's just something the PGA Tour can't measure. In fact, and, and most people can't. Um, and, and there's there's specific ways you can, but it just gets in the nitty gritty. But in this scenario where you're utilizing social media and its impact, I mean, they just kind of, listening to those metrics, they don't sound very solid, to be yeah. honest. It's just a popularity contest. Well, they did a thing and they did it from 2019, right? If they did it, there was actually two players, Jordan Spieth and Adam Scott, that were that would have got paid out on that that pool that had zero wins that year yeah so yeah and and they're very popular guys i mean but like even from like a i think measurement of instagram followers tigers like millions more than the next guy maybe it's the maybe it's the tiger relief fund i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah you saw him he's i don't know he doesn't you know from the picture that he just posted. Yeah. I don't know that, although pictures can be deceiving. All right. He's only got the air cast on the one leg. Yeah. So he looks in pretty good shapes. Right. Obviously no one knows because he's so guarded what the yeah. actual stand, extent of it is. Right. He could, that cast could be holding his leg together. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pinned. We know that. Yeah. And typically when things are pinned, you don't have to have a long casting process. So he is in the air cast and he's smiling big. Um, I also smile really big for pictures, but uh, behind the scenes, typically there's kids screaming. (laughs) But, um, but Hey, he's there. It looks promising um he's probably already had some vegas odds go in his favor for the 2022 masters <laughs> yeah. a, somebody should have got in on that before he posted that picture right. uh, but no it's good to like say good to see him up and about whether you know i've mentioned it a couple, i think he should just stay right just be be done your right your body's taking more than enough abuse yeah um with that you don't need to prove anything to anybody at this point Mm -hmm. but whether he does that or not he'll you know it's i i think obviously it's up to him but yeah i think for tiger whatever he does is gonna grow the game i think the darkest parts of of the game of golf have been when tiger's been absent and he gets back into it, even if he's getting a tied for 30th, like it's still great to see Tiger on the course. And you think about Jack playing in some of the majors well into his fifties. Uh, I would, I would love to see Tiger just continue to help grow the game, keep people interested. And heck, if he can come back and make a run at it, which I'm always crossing my fingers and hoping for, um, I'm his biggest fan, but I say keep it coming. Yeah. Like I said, he'll he'll be involved in some way. You know he'll play in some some events. Uh right. He obviously can play in whatever he wants mm-hmm. at this point. So 
let him do what he will. Like I said, go enjoy time with his family, hang out with his son playing golf and whatever else he does, redesigning his practice complex in his backyard. Um, So that may just be something that he just does. He's like, oh, I want to try this since he's, He's done the short course uh, in Monterey, right? It, yeah. Yeah. So. Right, Pebble there, Beach. Pebble Beach. The short but course what is there. It called, the ranch? I think you might be right. Um, so you got that. He did the one in uh, uh, Payne Valley. At Payne Valley did yeah. that, which I've heard good things about about Payne Valley and I want to just go play yeah. the to play the 19th hole which looks pretty cool. Um but yeah he's keeping himself busy uh with with whatever he's got going. But yeah it'll be it'll be good to see him get back on the course if he can. Um if he doesn't I would totally understand that too. But other than that I think that's all, all I've right. got. I mean, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, not not much else to talk about. There's a busy week next week. Um, I think every all the major tours are in action: PJ Tour, European Tour, PJ Tour Champions, Corn Ferry, yeah. LPGA. So, a lot to talk about next week. Um, that should be fun. Go and enjoy. Some golf. You're gonna play some golf this weekend. I'm gonna try for sure. I'm gonna try and slip out for nine holes in the morning one of these days if the storm will pass. Oh, it was. It did not pass this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, they just got to get out there and do it. Just make time. You just have to make time. It's getting a little easier where there's. It's light earlier, and now they're actually the weather's starting to warm up a little bit. So you don't have to worry about the frost. Um, But yes, I expect you, uh, you know, more like 33s. You need to play more tournament golf if that's what you're shooting. (laughs) I've been playing good. I need to play more. And I just, I'm trying to find the one that works with my schedule and it's been hard, but like I missed the Fox hollow amateur event and, they're just kind of popping up and I'm like, wow, I don't even feel like the season started yet because this, win- this winter is still lingering. So, uh, Utah Golf Association website, all of them are listed. They're not just popping up, <laughs> Weston. They've been there the whole time. <laughs> so, go play. You had a one day at the Golden Spike up at Eagle Mountain in Brigham City that you could have played in. Plenty. Nothing this next week, though. No. You know that. So go play. And then when I get my things handled, I'll just, I'll bring you in for a pro-am event. event. So you're going to have to take them Monday and come play. How's that? I know. That would be (laughs) awesome. I actually had to pass up on one. I had to pass up on the Oak Ridge one. I got an invite and that's, um, I got to do work. That's a, that's a day that I have to be there. So. Oh, it's now moved to May 3rd, if that makes any difference. That's, that's. Oh, that's the day. (laughs) You could have done it uh, today it was originally scheduled for today probably Monday yeah so no but we'll get out there I'll get you out and 
we'll try to beat up on a couple of these these proams this this year. That'd be then fun. We can, yeah, we can do it and then we can talk about it. <laughs> uh, see what happens. All right. Other than that, everyone, thanks for listening. Go play some golf. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Buttercuts podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating, review, and subscribe. We appreciate it. Until next time, keep hitting the Buttercuts.